What started as a casual conversation with our peers in grad school has turned into a passion for talking with creatives in Chicago. You are listening to This Moment Here. This Moment Here is sponsored by The Scene, Chicago's international journal of contemporary and modern art. The Scene features in-depth writing on exhibitions as well as highlight essays, artist profiles, and reviews. To read The Scene, published by Expo Chicago, visit thescenejournal.org or find a free printed publication throughout the city of Chicago. Hi, everyone. You're listening to and watching this moment here. I'm Sarah Reynolds. And I'm Madeline Finley. We are currently in quarantine, and our first guest is Andrew Rafes, and we're on Zoom with him. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And uh, if you want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you like to do. (laughs) My pleasure uh, to be here and talk to both of you, albeit remotely. I am, um, I'm from Chicago, from the Chicagoland area, Southwest suburbs. And uh, I, since the early 2000s, I've had a gallery, a contemporary art gallery in Chicago, now named after me. Uh, Originally, uh, it was called Bucket Rider Gallery. Uh, But I've been an art dealer in Chicago for a little less than 20 years. A A little less than 20 years. That's a long time. To say that bucket rider gallery bucket rider was um named after a the english translation of a story by kafka that english tr- name is no longer in print like they retranslated it. i think it's the cole scuttle rider now Whoa. it was um it was at a time when there were all these alternative spaces opening in chicago especially in the neighborhood that i was in in pilsen and it was uh, cool to not put your name, to not like associate your actual name. Yeah, to have to have like a, a reference. As everybody found out, as the gallery would get a little bit time under its belt, and you realized that it wasn't a hobby, and you were trying to sell art, it was helpful if people knew who the hell was running the gallery. So every gallery became, you know, was named after its principal or its owner eventually. Even like even Kavi was called the Dante Gallery. So really? Yeah. Wow, all this all this tea. Well, what made you want to start a gallery in the first place? Like, how did did it happen organically, or like was it a small idea that turned into like a really large thing? It's funny, just like talking about this now is kind of more interesting because I encounter people these days, young people, younger people maybe because of the mainstreaming of contemporary art or the mainstreaming of the art world, whatever that is. Um, uh, there are definitely, I, I meet more students, uh, art students, arts administration students that when they were younger wanted to become art dealers. And that wasn't even a thing that I had any concept of as an option. And I truly fell into it kind of backwards. I was living in Pilsen at the time that I opened the gallery and um, was not, had been out of school for undergrad for a few years, maybe like three or four years. And I was planning on going to grad school to get my PhD in poetics in Buffalo, New York. And Buffalo at the time had the only PhD program in poetics. And I wanted to study with the people that were teaching there, um, Charles Bernstein and Susan Howe who's actually the mother of R.H. Quaitman, who's an amazing contemporary artist, and Robert Creeley, the, the beat poet. And um, I deferred because I didn't know if I could make it through a winter in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. <laughs> I probably still couldn't, to be honest. Uh, probably even, like, it'd probably be less successful now because winter is oppressive. But I, I deferred for a year, and there were galleries popping up in Pilsen in the neighborhood, and I was unemployed and kind of just working on poems, writing, and um, felt a little bit, you know, like I was like self-isolating already. Yeah. <laughs> to bring it to our current theme a little bit, 
Um, and because of that, I just was really, I wanted, I wanted to make sure I wasn't too isolated. So I kind of started the gallery because I had a lot of friends in music who also were visual artists, really just sort of socially and personally connected to artists. And there was then, as there is now, a lot of artists, a lot less faces to show all those artists. So there were a lot of artists whose work I really loved who were underrepresented. So it seemed like a pretty, in that way, it was a very organic fit. I wasn't ever planning on being, I was never planning on doing this for this long. And I never was, I never thought of it as a commercially viable. So when, when you started, career. was it in your apartment or did you get into the raw space? Yeah, the gallery started at 565 West 18th Street in Pilsen. Mm-hmm. So right, you know, east of, uh, east of the highway there, there were a bunch of little galleries that had popped up, maybe four or five galleries within like a two-block radius. So what was the journey of that time? Like, at what point did you decide, like, oh, this is going to be long-term? Have I? <laughs> no, that's a very good question. Your intentions, like that's crazy that it's grown into something long term. Yeah. And because of that, uh, or there were, you know, there were like definitely stages of that, several, like several important stages, and even one recently with this move. Probably the first was um, when my unemployment ran out. <laughs> living in Pilsen. I had like a series of funny corporate jobs that just didn't really work for me. So I was, I decided to go back to school and I um, was living in Pilsen and kind of just really scraping by to, to stay afloat. But the gallery kind of operated as this way, as I had, as I previously mentioned, sort of just to sort of stay present in the neighborhood and connect with people whose work I liked. But it was really kind of like a hobby, you know, it wasn't like a daily thing. I mean, there wasn't in, there weren't sales. There wasn't anything like that. It was truly like an alternative space. And the be- at the beginning of 2004, I moved to the West Loop. We moved into, I, I had connected with, um, with uh, someone who started as a friend and then became, a, became my business partner for a little while. His name is Keith Kauser. We got introduced by Kavi, who was a, supporter of the gallery really early on and um we moved to the west loop we moved to like uh peoria and randolph into 400 square feet uh no office a couple mm-hmm. of walls you know and really and then and then we moved to washington our our previous location in 2006 so we kind of just continue to scale up and i guess that's why mm-hmm. I, I said that i didn't have like one epiphanic moment there were like little moves up, up some kind yeah. of ladder. I have, I, you know, I, I definitely was, uh, I'm an art, I love art. I, I've loved art since I was a young boy and I could get in on the train and come to, sh- you know, to the city and go to the MCA and go to the Art Institute. So that was really where it started. And that plus the fact that I had been doing these kind of silly jobs that I didn't feel very connected to, tethered to. Uh, I loved the relationship of me to the gallery, putting art on the walls. And if like, if a show worked, it was my, it was my success. If it failed, it was my failure, but there is something really attractive about the imminence of that, especially with the kind of like silly jobs I, I had. And mind you, like when I first, when I graduated from college, I mean, jobs were plentiful. I was just in ding dong. <laughs> you know but I was like I was artsy and I didn't want to do those things I wanted to and and from there then I realized also that connecting with being around visual visually creative visually intelligent people is something that I cherish can you recall your first show at your first space and then the first piece you sold and how you handled it if it <laughs> I might get this wrong it's so long ago. I don't want to offend anybody. Well, the first, the one that you choose is probably one that stuck. So yeah, maybe the first show or the first piece that you can remember. The first piece that I sold. Yeah. The first show we put on. 
You know, the first shows we did were um, were kind of connected to the artists that were in the neighborhood. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of artists, you know, outside of my kind of like lo- local community. I know we did a show, a, we curated a show called Rooms to Rent. Love that. I had a business partner at the very beginning. Her name is Anne Marie and she is an artist. She lived next door. And we were kind of like, you know, I mean, business partners is a stretch because it really was not um, a business. <laughs> stretch. That was quite a few years later. But we worked on it together. And she had a, like a, uh, one of those Japanese screen, like uh, portable screen printing machines. So that's the G. It's like Go, Goko. Okay. We used to make the exhibition cards because, I mean, at that point, we had no website. Many years away. Facebook didn't even exist. Mm, Memory lane. I think we were still all on Friendster. Uh, But we would print. Yeah. That's for all the 40-somethings out there. But we would would design and print this, like, hand screen print cards for the shows. So I remember one called Rooms to Rent. We did a show with um, artists who are still in Chicago or, or associated with Chicago, Tom Burtonwood and Andrew Wigsby. Yeah. And those guys actually built the, the, the wooden frame that we just like jammed up in the hallway between like the front area and my back area. We just jammed up like a wood frame and put a curtain up and that separated the gallery from my living space. Mm. You got amazing. Never one of the first exhibitions as well. Do you have a the first exhibitions were like wacky and you know, I'll say this. If I had any notion of how badly how badly I was doing, I probably wouldn't have continued or how much work would go into this or what you know, like those first shows were really just all just going forward, like no, no, no reflection. Cause I didn't have a clue. Yeah. You were in the moment. You're yeah. just on an adrenaline of maybe having a I didn't know how to hang hard, you know? Yeah. Learn that as I went. Well, I mean, you're one of the like pillars in the Chicago art scene. So I would say you're doing all right. You know, what's amazing about it is that you could never, you couldn't do that just about anywhere else. I don't know where else you could do something that, DIY at the beginning and get yeah. to this point. Well, do you yeah. still do that nowadays? Because I mean, like, we've had a lot of conversations with a lot of artists in Chicago, and it seems like apartment galleries are still thriving. But the a lot of the question is, is like, do I want to segue into a commercial space, or is this something I'm going to do for a bit and then maybe transition into something else? You know we wouldn't have gotten as far as we did in those first few years if we weren't able to move to the West Loop because Pilsen was kind of just like a local scene Mm -hmm. down there, but people weren't necessarily buying art and it felt very much like kind of just a DIY sort of apartment gallery thing. We moved into a space and we only had a portion of the space, but we were able to move like right into the same, like we moved across the street from Ona Hoffman around the corner from Kaveh. And I don't know how you could do that now. I think, unfortunately, real estate value and cost has caught up uh, in Chicago in a way that's probably eliminated some of that from happening. And then art fairs. I don't know. I don't know how a gallery would start now and survive without doing art fairs. And how does an, like a small gallery in an apartment spend $15,000 to do an art fair? Yeah. So the the economics of it are pretty skewed, and I think it's probably made it rather impossible. Mm. But I mean, there are. But but what I'm what I'm saying is that it's probably hard to get to have the same path. Mm. Nowadays, I'm not saying it's not possible to have a really great gallery that's doing something a little bit more like that in Chicago. I think there are some great galleries. Well, I mean, uh, the barrier to entry financially has just gone up so much that it's made it very difficult, which takes away a little bit of the excitement of showing art and sharing art. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, that, that sort of like no budget, just kind of free for all is a pretty exciting thing. It's so raw. Yeah. yeah. Well, should we address the elephant in the room and talk about quarantine? <laughs> yeah. It's a good segue because people are talking about how this might, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm generally more cynical than not, but I, I, you know, people are saying that this could kind of level some things. I mean, David Werner, I just read this, his quote about, Oh, what did he say? You know, the, the digital platforms that he's, and he's of course kind of promoting his own thing, but he's been quoted as effectively saying like, there's probably less need for art fairs. Mm. Yeah, fairs. I mean, which is something. It's big for him to say that. I mean, it's it's that's actually big news because he said it. Mm-hmm. But also, I think it reinforces that art fairs are not necessarily good for him either. Yeah, and art fairs are art fairs are tough for everybody. Like, There's too many of them. Yeah, I mean, you would naturally assume that David Warner is like cleaning up at the art fairs, you know. Well, he doesn't have to sell. He can sell one piece, and he's fine. Yeah. Did he say what he's been doing for his gallery? I haven't. I haven't caught up to anyone's gallery or like checked in with them. But like, did he say what he was doing right now? Do you know about this platform that he's created? This digital platform. No. Can you can you tell us a little bit? To be honest, I don't. I'm not an expert on it. I haven't. I've been told about it. I have not looked at it. I should probably look at it little bit focused on all the other things that are going on no. so, yeah. know, as we struggle with this but um he he has a digital platform that and he invited galleries that are sort of maybe like mid-tier galleries but his some of his favorite galleries some of his my personal favorites of my friends are participating Love that. and um they're doing like an online sales thing huh well, have you, for your personal gallery and then the conversations you've had with, I guess, local Chicago galleries, are people buying artwork right now or are they just scared about the market and holding their money and not necessarily collecting? People, it seems like things have slowed down. Um, people are on pause right now. People paused, yeah. Until I don't we kind of get word on like maybe what summer looks like because there's a lot... You know, the fall time in Chicago is really exciting for art. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if people are kind of on pause until we kind of get more news about what's happening this summer. I mean, on one on one level, everybody's everybody's anxious and preoccupied with like much more important things than buying art. Mm-hmm. And I think because of that, that's the real that's the real reason for the pause is that there's not really. Purchasing art is an emotional experience, and I don't think there's a lot of emotional space left for anybody right now. Right. This but time will come back. Yeah, I mean, this time is like it's allowing everybody to kind of reflect on what's important and where they put their energy. And I think that, yeah, like you said, buying art is like an emotional thing, but it's also, I don't know, I don't know how you can expect anyone to spend. I guess put themselves there. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it's like I think about daily how someone's world can completely crumble if someone important them gets coronavirus and how everything kind of gets pushed aside and is no longer important. And so thinking about like art sales, it's a little bit hard to wrap your head around. I mean, I don't think the response right now for anybody Maybe I should say this because I'm an art dealer, but I don't think the response for anybody right now is to buy more stuff. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, unless you're supporting, directly supporting people that need it. And I guess on that, you know, like, it's interesting. There's not, you know, I'm a small business, but I'm also a commercial gallery. I'm not a nonprofit. So I don't, I don't have access to a lot of things that nonprofits have. And, you know, we are, um, we're not, we're not selling, really selling art right now. So it's not like it's going well for us and, you know, and it's not for, so we, we're struggling too. It, it's kind of brought up like, what does it mean to have a commercial gallery? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What does it mean to have one in Chicago? 
this is not the easiest business in general. But yeah, I don't know if the response right now is to buy more stuff. I think it's probably to give what you have to other people that need it. Mm -hmm. Well, do you think that, you know, if, I don't know, maybe affairs become less of a priority for people moving forward, like, do you think that collectors will maybe look more locally for art eventually? Like, do you think that's a pattern that's been proven? You know, maybe to some degree, but I also think that there's still a large percentage of the collecting collectorship of contemporary art that is about investment. Yeah. I always, I always advise somebody to buy something that they love first and foremost and not worry about that. But there's people that are doing that. And that's why you have, you know, a lot of people in Chicago, maybe collecting outside of the city or specifically buying artists that are from other places. Everybody's sort of like always playing that part of the game too. Yeah. What I do, what I don't think is going to be, is really going to increase. And I'm curious to see how this thing with Swerna works is buying art online. You know, in the last two weeks, we've watched a couple of weeks. We've watched Paddle 8 declare bankruptcy. I don't know if that's on your radar. That's not. I wasn't aware. And that was not, that was not because of coronavirus. That, that was happening for a while. Works for a while, um, but they've now they have now they have declared it, and it's actually impacting gallery. You know, it's impacting Chicago. I don't know the details, but you know, there's a couple. Julius Caesar and Prairie both had auctions through Petalate, and yeah. they were getting paid. Getting paid, and then you may know as soon as you declare bankruptcy. It's harder to get that money. So, but, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't think that, I think for the most part, people want attack. Um, I mean, I think even in a, in a bigger way, everything we're dealing with right now, this is hard for everybody because we, we um, are creatures that want to be in the same space with each other and maybe with the art. And having this tactile, more visceral experience, which just is not, I may be projecting, but I just don't think, I mean, I'm not going to buy something I've never seen. Yeah, it's it's so hard. The internet, unless it's like an artist whose work I already know really well. Yeah, it's so hard to see work online, especially if it has any texture or depth or dimension. Well, even just like, I mean, moving away from like the buying aspect of it like i got an email from the aic to like i mean i've been looking forward all year to seeing the el greco show i love his work and i've seen his work in dc and blah, 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 blah. and like i was looking forward to the show and they offered like a virtual tour and i was like i don't know <laughs> you know it's different i don't want to spoil it yeah no. i don't want to just wait wait until when I don't know. I know. I know. I don't know. I mean, it shifts the perspective of everything. Like people are doing studio visits, you know, I think we're trying to be really adaptable, which I give us credit for, but things, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess how important is it to buy a piece? People seem, I don't know. I don't know. We listen, we listen, Madal and I both listened to the Jerry Gagosian podcast with Sarah Douglas. And it was an interesting conversation about how, I guess, Hong Kong Basel was a couple weeks ago and they released it online. And the conversation was about like whether or not collectors were collecting anything. And I guess one of the main collectors they talked to didn't buy anything from Hong Kong, but they were choosing to support artists locally. I heard that the online viewing room for Hong Kong Basel was a total mess. <laughs> well, apparently they had like a VIP. They tried to really make it like a fair experience where they had like early viewing and like VIP when you were like da 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 And I don't know. Freeze is doing that as well. We were scheduled to... Uh, exhibit at Freeze New York, which has been canceled. When was that supposed to be? Early May. 
Okay. And trees, um, to their credit, are reimbursing everybody for their full costs. Oh, wow. So apparently setting up this online viewing room. Now, from what I understand from Hong Kong, because of the time the time frame of that, they did not re they did not refund the majority of the the booth costs. Whoa. So they folded the the in real life version of the art fair into this online thing. Wow. But there were costs associated, right? Oh. And it's always about it really comes down to that. If yeah. somebody if somebody is going to let me be part of an online viewing room and I don't have to pay for it, well, so it's yeah. a little bit of work, but it's also uh, a good thing because it's getting the work seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not huge amounts of costs up front. Do you uh, know how something like that is work? Like, do you just have to send individual images of the work and then they're going to create a virtual tour or do you create a virtual tour in your gallery and then they kind of... Yeah, like, so I'm curious about the layout of all of it. I don't know. We, I am too. We <laughs> haven't gotten... We haven't gotten details on that yet. We just got uh, our the most recent email about the, the refund. So I just imagine it like everyone's a Sims character. <laughs> I know walking around, like everyone like sets up their gallery. Oh God, that's kind of amazing. I kind of love that idea. You should do. <laughs> and like use things to like really lose and chat in their crazy language. You can choose to not literally not look at any art and just go straight to the VIP room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then just have like one long and conversation with one person that you didn't really want to see and you just go home. Amazing. Every art. I mean, yeah, I'm I mean I say that lightheartedly, but I mean I guess we're all just trying to like hang tight. Like Expos in September, they announced that like they're I, maybe I shouldn't say anything in case I like, give wrong information, but from what I understood, it was like they're not taking any, the money up front right now. They're kind of like waiting a little bit. Yeah, they. I mean, I think to their credit, to Tony's Tony Carmen's credit, um, they're kind of thinking ahead on all of the needs of everybody involved in these things, and obviously they are trying to ensure that the fair still happens. Yeah, hoping the fair will still happen. I mean, the thing that people keep in sight is that at the end of the day, we're going to get through this and there's going to be an other side and you just don't want to like come out as an asshole, you know, where everybody hates you and doesn't want to work. Right. I mean, there's no point because it's, you're not, nobody's coming out on the other side any sooner than anybody else. Right. at this point we just have to yeah who wants to be who wants to be known as like the guy who handled coronavirus completely wrong and hurt so many businesses you should just not be that guy just like have a little sensitivity and like goes along yeah yeah Um, yeah and it's i mean the question is can we all survive until then because nobody really knows how long that's gonna be yeah well, what do you suggest, like, as someone who knows a lot of artists and practices and stuff, like, what do you suggest artists be doing right now? Is there any one way to handle this? Is there, like, something that you hope to see from artists? What I've noticed is that artists are, um, and this is by no means surprising at all, but artists are continuing to create. Creators are continuing to create. Performers are performing like for other people uh, via the internet. Everybody's continuing to kind it. Yes, there are these like daily kind of ontological shifts that have had to happen. But at the core of creative people, they're still creating. Mm-hmm. It's and some are not right. I mean, some are. Everybody's responding to this differently. If you don't feel like painting, don't paint. But a lot of people are, and I think that that just is a reinforcement of the of creativity as a as a fundamental force for Open people. Mechanism. And it's necessity, right? I mean, we're all uh, we're all like kind of like subsisting off of all of that right now. Yeah. To stay sane. So, I my hope is that people pay attention to that when we do come out of the, uh, 
you know, on the other side. And if we've like converted a few more people to really believing in what artists can do, that's good. Yeah. But, um, God, I don't know. What are you kind of doing with the gallery to kind of like, how do I even like stay in touch with people on social media or like, yeah, so we're, uh, so we're doing, um, we're doing like one or two zoom studio visits a day. Oh, wow. For ourselves, not to post or anything, you know, I mean, we're actually using it, you know, we've, we've recently moved into this new gallery and, uh, along with that, we want to uh, introduce new artists to our program. We want to expand our programming. I've got a lot of artists, of course, like I imagine anybody does that's in my position. I have a lot of artists that I've wanted to reach out to. A month ago, it would have been hard probably to convince somebody to do a Zoom studio visit. Now, I don't have to fly to Paris or LA or New York. I can most likely do it this way. Um, so we're taking advantage of that. And again, it's really just for our own edification and research. I mean, we're doing, we're doing that to also kind of build thinking we're, you know, the, 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 the talos to that is to build new programming. We did a studio visit with somebody in this podcast zoom call, actually. Sarah. Uh, Sarah. It was really nice. First one. Oh, we were, I was? Or second. First or second. Yeah. It was I was so nervous about doing a studio visit with anyone on Zoom. Like, just the format. Like, I feel like I'm going to just be, like, a dork and, like, not know when to have the camera on me. Or, like, I don't know. The formalities of it seem a little unnatural to me. But, I mean. Yeah. I guess there's just a learn. I guess you just do it and you, everyone kind of is patient with one another. I think it's like all part of like learning about this together because like none of this is normal or natural. Like I don't think anyone's coming into this being like I'm a pro at having Zoom visits. At least I don't think. <laughs> I, to that end, it's like it, every studio visit's different, right? I mean, yeah. some people like come into a studio visit with like a real plan to figure mm -hmm. something out, and they've got like a reveal at the end. Some yeah. artists. Very, like some artists are very loose about it. Some artists are very organized. Mm -hmm. What I'm liking about it is that we're not, we're not like racing into somebody's studio because we have a show that we have to figure out in two months or something. We're, we're really, it's really about kind of just like stretching out and just doing some research, meeting, you know, connecting and talking. It's really about the art, which, which it should be, of course, but sometimes it's an interesting it's time to meet people mm -hmm. like you really yeah. see them in a really specific time and like how they're handling things i don't know well, i think people are learning a lot about themselves right now yeah it's so, very interesting I think people are learning a lot about each other if they are in a space together yeah um well, i hope everyone's people the best but I mean, you know things are what I found really like kind of beautiful about the connections that I've made is that like maybe someone who's been intimidating or someone I haven't known personally for years, we're coming together to connect on a personal level because we're experiencing this like unknown thing together. And it seems like a lot of walls and barriers are kind of dropping because we're all human and we're probably experiencing similar things. If you this is supposed to be an equalizer in some way. It's also kind of just, I mean, it's also a time where it's like, what do we have to lose? Yeah. We have a lot to lose, but also what do we have to lose? You know, I mean, if you, I feel like this is a good time. If you've got like somebody that you need to like clear the air with, probably good. Yeah. Way to do it. yeah. Time to do it. I've had, I've had some personal experiences recently where I was like, yeah, that wasn't that big of a deal, or yeah, I should probably just get over that and move on. Or like things in my life that maybe I was paying too close of attention to before all of this. Now, yeah, exactly. It's not that big of a deal. Or like, why was I spending so much valuable time on that? My my attention needs to be directed elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It's very yeah. 
that's good. That's the right response to this. Mm-hmm. And the wrong response is to come out of this like the same person, or <laughs> right, or like or or angrier, or I mean, I you know this is hard, but I think even like it's not good to come out of this more fearful because because fearfulness doesn't get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. No. But yeah, being self-examining. I mean, if two months in quarantine and you can't find a moment to examine yourself, then you're probably... Yeah, Yeah, you're avoiding a lot of shit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, Andrew, have you seen any sort of... I mean, I know it's only been... It feels like a while, but it's only been a few weeks. But have you seen any trends in the art that you've seen? You don't have to be super specific, but have you like any... In any trends of like what people are saying or like what they're making or like the energy of what they're making, anything like that. Or are people kind of just so, I don't know. I'm interested in these visits and like what people are making and how they're introducing their work and like their attitude and perspective to their work. That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything directly in like visual art that I've noticed. I would say in general, it seems like the content that I've been accessing, people are not uh, like a lot of it because it's just from home and it's maybe not like the most technically savvy. People have like really let go of like trying to be too polished about anything. There's a level of kind of. Is it more raw? Yeah. There's like a casualness that, that leads to kind of a rawness or yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm... The the emotion is right on the... Yeah. The way that I would describe how I feel right now is, like, if I just went through, like, a bad breakup, and you're in that moment where you're, like, I'm getting healthy, and I'm getting my shit together, and I'm going to come out of this on top, and I'm moving on, and I'm moving into the future or something. Yeah. Like, that's that's kind of... I feel like I've gone through, like... 20 iterations of that already. <laughs> okay, I have, a I have a funny question for you. In, in quarantine, has there been a task that you have completed or begun to tackle that you've been avoiding for a very long time? Well, I think probably this is, this is, I bet, I imagine a lot of people have done the same thing. That first week, I deep clean and reorganize my entire place yeah like there's not one drawer that's not organized at this point i i i could i could go around and reorganize them again but they're not they're not like out of they're not just shoveled organize it in a different way yeah yeah <laughs> i mean so much uh, um i i have uh and i guess i guess that was probably because everybody was realizing they're going to be in their their space yeah better have it be livable yeah. But I did a lot of that. What else? I have uh, things that I've put off. That's really the big one. Yeah. That's a big one, though. I mean, being comfortable in your space right now is pretty important. I've been gardening, which has been really nice. Oh, that's great. You have a yard? Yeah. It's actually a, it's a nice yard, and, like, the previous owners, like, kind of set it up so it's easy to garden. So I kind of – it's been really nice. But I'm glad that you said that about the artist kind of having a little more raw approach to these visits because when I go into my studio, the work that I was making before all of this, I'm like, I think these needs these need like a change of perspective. Like maybe these were a little too I don't want to work on what I was working on in the studio. I'm making like these really weird drawings. I'm kind of happy for the time being, but like I'm not considering like anything super polished or anything like that. So and you're adapting to the, the new parameters of what you can do. That's certainly happening. I mean, I know a lot of artists in New York that can't get to their studios. Oh, yeah, I bet. Not, you know, like, if an artist is like an oil painter, they're probably not painting at home. You know, they're probably drawing. But I've noticed that it seems like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, a lot of artists that I know have adapted. They're still making. I think artists in general are pretty adaptable. Yeah. I mean, the main thing for me is that I was just hitting a stride with welding and fabricating in a metal shop, and now I have access. And there were a lot of conversations I had just started that I they just have to be put on pause. 
Andrew, I'm sorry that all this happened like right when you moved. Right when you moved. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's happening with like? Are you um what like what's going on in the gallery? Because you have you still been going into the office and such? Yeah, I'm not going in very frequently. Kira's not. Kira, my director, the gallery's director, is not really coming in at all. She's working from home. We have a show up right now from Jesse Edelman, a painter in New York, which we were able to get a couple weeks out. I mean, we opened and then we were open for a couple weeks. We had, a, we had, of course, a really nice crowd coming through and it was starting to warm up. So that's unfortunate. I feel bad for her, you know, and for Melissa Leandro, we were going to show at Freeze and that's oh, wow. our next show which we're hoping will open in June, but it's kind of on pause as we take the temperature of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, everything is kind of strange to even talk about. I mean, it's, it's hard to even think about May, but yeah, I don't know. My mind goes blank when I, when I think past May. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm focusing on the first few days. It's April already, right? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> May feel so far away. I guess we can talk about like what prompted your decision to move to the new space. Like that's, that's, that's like, Oh, sure. Yeah. And you know, we're going to survive this one way or the other. I mean, I, I put so much, we put so much time and effort into this move that we got to figure it out. Um, So, you know, uh, we'll be open once again and we're excited. We're work. We'll be working on our, we have this court like kind of little backyard area that we're going to be getting fixed up. So hopefully by the time we do all come back and reconvene, you know, it, the gallery will even be more completed. So we moved last fall and we were in construction for about a year and a half year. Oh, year. wow. It's a long time. What needed to be done? What was the, what needed to be done in the gallery? So this was um, this full gut rehab. Um, oh, wow. It's, this hasn't been occupied for many years. And it wasn't a public business since like the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but the building was in quite disrepair. It's a very old building. And yeah, so it was it was a project for sure. And with like lots of twists and turns. But like everything else that I've done in this funny career, didn't really know what I was getting into until I was in the middle of it. And then I just had to keep going. Uh, but isn't that why you do it? You know? Maybe. I <laughs> I will say that I was, be- I was not, better at that. If you don't enjoy that, them. then I don't know what to tell you. What's that? If you don't enjoy that, then I don't know why you do it. I mean, I still do, but I will say that, like, it, um, it's it was easier to kind of roll with the punches when I was younger and really uh, dumb about how all this worked. Mm-hmm. As, you, sure. as you get longer, and I mean, you know, I've had to, I didn't get this far being totally oblivious, and the stakes just get higher, and this is definitely the biggest professional move for myself and for the gallery to date. And probably arguably, at least in Chicago, probably will be the biggest move. We're here for 10 years, most likely, if not longer. Um, but it's exciting. And I'm in a, uh, it, it really was like a project that had so many beautiful moments, uh, frustrating moments too, but, you know, mostly really beautiful moments. My friend, Paul Prisoner, who, uh, is it uh, architect and professor at UIC? He um, he designed the space. Oh wow! And I've known each other for twenty five years, but uh, really became even closer through the through the collaboration of this project. Uh, he's an incredibly thoughtful, gracious human being who I'm very lucky to know. Also, um, while the space was getting uh, designed and built, he found out that he was representing the U.S. in the Venice Biennale for architecture. Oh, that's so that sadly didn't yes. happen. Or I don't oh. know where they're at. Where they're at with that? It was supposed to be happening in May. Oh, it's going to be in Venice in May. 
Oh man. Amongst other things. <sighs> um, but uh, but the space, you know, his his uh, his current project. I'll say current because he's still working on some things. We're doing. We're going to be doing some amazing stuff in the back with art storage and our kitchen and everything. But his current project is this gallery. So, like, pretty wild. What an incredible! And I love the space. I love the space. We, you know, I was looking on Chicago Avenue when all the other galleries moved over here oh. a couple years ago. Rona and I were having lunch, and she was trying to help me figure out where I could move because she wanted. She was so dear to want to have us over here as well. But we weren't really just finding anything that seemed viable. And the biggest thing for me was that I wanted height in the ceilings. Hell yeah. That's hard to do on Chicago Avenue. Unlike the West Loop 15 years ago where, you know, Our most of those are warehouses and loft spaces and all that. Uh, but we found a space that we thought was like, when we first saw it, we thought it was like 11 feet but it, it had a drop ceiling so we got even more we, i think we're like 15 it's like 15 feet ceilings roughly but this this space is um yeah it was a labor of love for sure to design something to have something sort of be as intentional as possible um with all you know when when i moved when i moved into the west loop the first time we moved into like the corner, as I had said earlier, this corner, 400 square feet of somebody else's space. Very nondescript, no office. Like we just sat in chairs in the middle of the space. And then when we moved to the building on Washington, that was kind of already a gallery. It was already designed out. So we really just sort of became like the next tenant of it. We kind of like did a couple things, but very little to sort of like turn it into our space. And we were there for a very long time. But this space is like the culmination of all the things that I wanted in a space that I thought would work, mm-hmm. including the things that were some decisions that were made at the very last minute. Like we took out, we have no reception desk. You walk into this space and it's just art. And that's on purpose. And it's tricky, mm-hmm. but uh, there's no place to greet for you mm-hmm. to be greeted. And we're all, the office I'm in right now is the only office we have. Um, but this space is just like all about the things that I would want to want in a gallery. So well, it's going to be exciting when we reopen. And I mean, I feel like we were just starting to get, I was just starting to get a feel, uh, a sense of place, a sense of real place here. We opened so quickly after we, the the paint was drying on the walls when we opened. You know? yeah. So, um, well, we're excited to throw a big party when all of this is over. It's going to be so yeah. nice to celebrate. We should throw a party for the podcast. Yeah. I know. That would be in your nice courtyard. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be we amazing. Out. We're getting um, – I shouldn't probably say who, but we're uh, the space is being sponsored. It's being signed out and sponsored, and then like. Will you tell us? Will you tell us? Will you tell us when we're not recording? Yes. Okay. And um, but it's exciting because they're going to put in like a outdoor like wet bar and a little liquor beer sponsor. (laughs) My God! Yeah, we got to get this thing rolling. Yeah. So we're towards the end of the show, but I'm curious to know, like. Without people like you as artists, it's very hard to survive. And I keep asking myself, like, what people can do to help artists as well as gallerists during this time. Is there anything that you would like people to know that, like, spreading the word, supporting the gallery, like, anything like that that people may not immediately think of that could be helpful? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. You know, I mean, yes, you should support galleries. We are all trying to stay in business. But I think the real answer to that that I would give is to support as directly as possible. Think Mm -hmm. about the people that are the least fortunate Mm -hmm. right now. I'm struggling with this. Like, I want to try to, as, as we're also trying to keep the gallery going, I'm thinking about how I can also support uh, all the people that 
I would regularly check in with that um, aren't working right now in hospitality and food and mm-hmm. you know, the amazing humans that cut my hair, uh, all, you know, like everything. And I think the only answer to it is to try to help you want you. It's easy to be overwhelmed by wanting to support everybody, but maybe just start with supporting the people that are all like the most immediately imp- impactful on your day, on your day to day. And and even a tiny, in a tiny way, if that's all you can afford to do Because mm-hmm. if we all did like a really hyper local support that would make a difference, Absolutely. but you know, I mean, I'm 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 um, I'm blown away by um, all the artists that I work with and all the artists that I know that seem to be really thoughtful about helping other people too. You know, mm-hmm. so support artists. I I guess the big answer to that is support the people that invigorating your life daily. Yeah, all back here. Well, that's a nice note to end on. Yeah. Thank you for doing this with us. I know Thank you. it's such a drastic difference than a month ago when we were originally supposed to do this recording, but I know I think it's definitely a point in time that we're going to look back on and be really proud of ourselves for overcoming and being reflective and honest with how we're dealing with it and feeling throughout it. Exactly. Yeah. You're right on. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share, subscribe, and review on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow us on Instagram at This Moment Here. Thank you for listening.